Okay. Hi there, and welcome to the first episode of my podcast, Herbs Herbarium. I'm your host, Caroline Herb. So uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about would be uh, why I started this podcast. So um, I started this podcast because I've always kind of adored the world around me and I've always had this natural curiosity and a strong desire to learn. Um, My love for the natural world has led me to watch just about every nature documentary on Netflix. Um, And now that I have Disney Plus, I'm super excited because they have so many more things for me to watch on Nat Geo. Um, I've also recently gotten back into reading, and I've also traveled predominantly when I was in undergrad um, to a couple different countries uh, in pursuit of field research. Um, Also, if you know me, you know that I talk a lot, so this whole podcast thing kind of seems like it was made for me. Um, My plan for this podcast was not just to talk about plants, even though, yes, I did call it Herbs Herbarium. Um, I do want to talk about more than just plants. I would... I... Uh, could be anything. Um, I was a bio major in school. Originally, I was thinking that I was going to be pre-med. Definitely not. (laughs) After chemistry and physiology, that became pretty clear. Um, But one of the things that frustrated me while I was undergrad, I would be reading a lot of these scientific articles and countless articles, and so many of them made no sense Uh, to the point where while I was in my final year in school, my one of my professors was like we are going to sit down every single day that we have class and go over an article and talk about what we think it means and truthfully that was the most amazing thing that someone has ever done for me um not actually but it was really really great for me and it completely changed how i read papers and how i understand science and i think unfortunately there are so many scientists that are so brilliant and the work that they are doing is so important but because they have no idea how to talk to people, which is not their fault, um, they don't really know how to get that information out there. And certain information that could actually be really, really interesting is nobody knows about because we don't know how to talk about it as scientists. Um, But I think luckily for me that because of my personality and who I am, it's something that I can do. And so that's kind of my plan is to talk about um, different plants, different animals, uh, different aspects of ecology and nature. And I'm hoping to bring in um, new information, old information, certain things that maybe I didn't learn about. um, Because there's actually some, uh, like I said, I got back into reading recently. And that has changed everything. I've read some really, really interesting books with information. I'm reading a book right now um, that came out apparently in the 70s and has this insane, like crazy information that I never heard of when I was growing up. I never heard of it while I was in college. I had no idea this was a thing and my mind has been blown. And then I look and I see that the book came out in the 70s and I'm like, why are more people not talking about this? But that actually I'm going to talk about another day. I'm not going to talk about that book today. Um, I actually first thing that I really, really, really want to talk about is actually the thing that is arguably my favorite plant. It's definitely my favorite tree. Um, It's called the red mangrove. Its Latin name is Rhizophora mangle. Um, Most of the information that I have on red mangroves has come from classes that I took uh, while I was studying abroad in Bocas del Toro, Panama with the School for Field Studies. Quick little plug for them. Um, Check out the School for Field Studies. If you are in college, uh, if you're not in college, if you're still in high school, if you are thinking of studying abroad, 
please or if you want to go back to school look at the school for field studies they have in-field research programs and um, semester abroad programs they have summer programs they are amazing i really i don't want to get into all of it but truly go check them out um and then i did some other kind of basic research um uh, that I got from the National Wildlife Federation. Um, but so I guess let's start talking about red mangroves. So red, why are they called red mangroves? There's also white mangroves. There's also black mangroves. Um, there's a lot of different types of mangroves. So the reason it's called the red mangrove is it's pretty easy, guys. Well, they look red. Um, under their bark, their wood is has a a very clear reddish tint and when you take a look at them you even though yes the bark is still gray and brown like it's pretty obvious that they're red um and then the most important i think thing that really distinguishes mangroves from other trees is the fact that they can tolerate salt water so there's um they have different ways of dealing with the salt um different ways that they reasons that they're able to tolerate it and one of them is that they're able to pump the salt into their leaves and they're able to dro then drop those leaves and the leaves will go back into the water therefore getting rid of the salt um and having no issue um for the most part um so where are mangroves found they're predominantly found in the subtropics and the tropics you'll find them in southeastern asia you'll also find red mangroves you will find um you'll see them in florida you'll see them of course where i was in bocas del toro panama you'll see them they're kind of everywhere um how the hell did they get everywhere is the big question uh when you kind of like palm trees when you you can see palm trees everywhere right we see them in california we see them in florida we see them well this is just me i'm an american duh. you see them literally everywhere um why because of coconuts they float in the water they can travel around so red mangroves have a very similar thing they have instead of um a coconut they have something called a propagule um, they are viviparous, which is basically, um, which is what humans are. It means that um, the offspring is formed within or attached to the parent. So for red mangroves, they form these propagules. Um, they're usually uh, pollinated by wind. They have little palish white yellowish flowers and the propagule will spring from that. And it almost looks like a long bean kind of thing and what it does is when it finally when it is ready it will drop into the water and it will float along the water and the cool thing about the propagules is that unlike coconuts well well yes they can wash up on shore but one of the other things that they can do is they can shift um their density or their weight i don't remember exactly what it was because this was something that i had learned two years ago um while abroad uh but they can kind of flip so that or shift their density to one particular point so the propagule will fall to the floor the seabed and can begin to grow from there if it has favorable can if it finds favorable conditions if it decides i don't like it it can then shift that density back i'm pretty sure and actually continue floating on which i think is really really cool um now, the other uh, big thing about mangroves that most people will notice is their roots. Um, I like to call them stilt roots. Other people call them prop roots. They basically almost look like a little jungle gym. 
and truthfully they kind of are that's part of the reason that i like mangroves so much um because while i was doing research on them i got to run around and act like a kid and swing from branches and do all that stuff and it was a great time um but anyway um on so these roots allow them to kind of stay slightly above the water but it allows them to continue to go through the water and it really kind of holds them in that place it's why they can kind of you know be more a little bit more stable in the sand um and it's actually really really cool so they're usually along the coasts and they do have mangrove islands as well um so the roots actually um within them because of the roots uh, they almost look like little fingers kind of coming out then lo- looks like they're almost walking on like hands almost like those aliens from the movie um arrival with amy adams they almost kind of look like that but uh on those roots there you can find uh epiphytic marine life and epiphyte is basically um like for example like little clams or little mussels stuff like that that will attach itself to the root um that's what it means for like an epiphyte you can see stuff like that on trees as well moss lichen um bromeliads depending on where you are uh, various different items can be epiphytic but um so they have those as well it's different corals actually i saw a lot of fire coral atta- um, attaching itself to uh, these stilt roots and of course now the stilt roots then also provide protection um, and they serve as like kind of like a little baby fish nursery for both pelagic which is open ocean um, so like your tuna stuff like that um, and then reef fish as well so mangrove import uh, mangroves uh, are actually really really important for other habitats they if we lose mangroves bye bye fish uh, same thing we will if we lose mangroves bye bye coral reefs bye bye open like it's all connected people if you learn anything from me in this podcast the one thing you will learn is that everything in this world is connected and it has taken hundreds of billions of years to or hundreds of millions who freaking knows i don't um to create this world as it is today and in my lifetime I feel like I have watched us completely destroy it um but anyway to get off that subject um but uh for mangroves their biggest threat is deforestation pollution climate change there's a lot of different issues um the shrimp farming they'll be used a lot for shrimp farming uh pollution because of like the roots uh pollution constantly will get trapped in there i while i was studying abroad um and i was doing research in the mangroves every single site that we went to every single one had trash varying levels of trash and i'll get into why it was varying levels later but so much trash and it's absolutely terrifying like we clearly do not you don't really you know coming from america coming from this privileged world where i don't really see the trash everywhere and then going to panama was like a change see you see so much more i i saw so much more pollution in places that i wasn't expecting to um but anyway so (laughs) there's a lot of reasons for that and i don't want to get into that yet Okay, anyway, um, so something that 
I don't really have any further research on, unfortunately. I know, I probably should have done more research on my mangroves before I told you guys about them. But um, one thing that we actually started to see while we were in Panama was that there's starting to be these little relationships between coral and mangroves. Now, obviously, I said before that coral will sometimes, you know, attach itself to the roots of mangroves. But now we actually started to see some corals growing within the mangrove forests, like not on the edges, not just on the roots, but actually in, like in there. Um, Because, of course, I was going in there um, while I was researching. So it was really, really cool. And I think that truthfully, perhaps that that will maybe be mangroves can help um, some coral species survive us and our climate change um because they will help provide protection hopefully and that will help things out um so i guess now that i've talked a little bit about the mangroves um i guess i'll talk a little bit more about my research that i did while on them so while i was in focus um the when you'd go to school for field studies or at least this is how my program was the first about you're there for about 100 days three months the first two months uh you basically fit in a semester's worth of material um you take um so for me i took um uh, principles of resource management which was kind of basically like our rainforest class that's what i like to call it we had our marine class which was tropical coastal ecology we had our um, other class that was socioeconomic and environmental policy something like that um, oh, socioeconomic values and environmental policy. Mm, got them. Um, and then the other class that we would take was actually a cultural class that predominantly focused on the actual culture of Panama and Bocas and where we were, because you should not just be, um, my friends that like to travel. If you travel, please actually take time to like learn about where you're going and the people that live there and their culture and be respectful, please. That would be great. Um, so one of the nice things about SFS that I really, really enjoyed was the fact that we were working within the people in the community and we weren't just kind of uh, coming in and saying, hey, you need this. Hey, you need that. It was more like we would go there and we actually talked to different NGOs that worked with different communities in focus. But um, yeah, uh, just don't show up and be a stupid white person and tell people what what to do when you don't know what you're talking about um anyway so we spent um the first two months were uh basically talking different classes and then our last month was spent doing research where we were split into three different research groups and then within those research groups we all had our own individual research projects and papers that we had and presentations and oh yeah a whole fun shindig that we had to do it was actually a really great time I'm not lying it was really fun so we would spend like two roughly two weeks going out and actually gathering our data for our research and then we would spend another week writing the actual research paper um, because it was the idea was it was supposed to be kind of like you know writing a journal call, journal article on our experiment and they wanted it to be well written and we also had to um do two presentations we had a group presentation that we gave to the bocas community and then we had 
um, individual presentations that we shared amongst uh, our peers and our professors and those that helped us out throughout the uh, semester. So what our, uh, even though we were split into three groups, what we were all tasked with is we were trying to assess the success of the uh, Isla Bastimentos um, National Marine Park, uh, which is a national um, marine protected area or an MPA. Um, and it was founded uh, as of 2018, 30 years ago. Um, so, and that was, uh, it was coming up on 2018 while I was there in Panama. So they kind of wanted to be able to say to the people, Hey, like, see, we did something great. Or if maybe things we did not find good stuff, maybe it was an indicator as to what they need to change. Um, so my group, uh, I was in the more like a terrestrial rainforesty kind of group, um, cause the, the three groups almost followed along the three main classes that I talked about earlier, um, socioeconomic, uh, tropical coastal and principles of resource management. Um, so I was kind of in the terrestrial group, there was a marine group and then there was a socioeconomic kind of group. Um, so my group got to work in the mangroves. And we each tackled, like I said, different things. So my uh, research was on insect biodiversity, but there were others who did spiders, birds, fish, um, epiphytes, and carbon sequestration. If you do not know what carbon sequestration is, that is basically um, the carbon that is being absorbed by the actual mangrove trees from the world around them, the atmosphere. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Well, was it the most, did I do the most scientific thing in the world? No, I was pretty much just being a little nerd and setting up little insect traps and walking along a transect and aspirating whatever little bugs that I could find. Found a lot of ants and a lot of termites. I actually got hurt trying to catch a cricket um, there was a bee going after my friend, was able to snag that one, um, cause she accidentally hit it, or I actually, I accidentally hit it into the water, which made it, um, a little bit easier to collect it since it couldn't fly away from me. Um, but I had a lot of fun. I probably looked like a little kid. I felt like a little kid just going around collecting bugs, swinging from the tree branches and running around on the mangrove roots. It really was fun. Um, except for when they would break underneath me and that did not make me feel so great. Um, so I'll tell you, I guess a story about that. I was the story about the cricket. I was trying, we were, I was holding everybody up. I was finishing. I was always the last one because I had to collect my traps at the end of the day and bring them back on the boat. So I was in the process of collecting my traps when I saw this cricket, cause, um, uh, for those of you who don't know crickets, um, the females have something called an ovipositor. A uh, bunch of different bugs have it, but we're talking about crickets specifically. And basically what that is, is it's how they lay their eggs. So I saw it, st ovipositor sticking out of this little hole in a tree. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get it. I'm going to, I'm going to get this cricket. So I'm standing I'm trying to balance on these two stilt roots and I have one arm, um, no, actually, but one hand has the cup that I'm trying to catch it in, which I'm putting closer to the hole. And then 
I was trying to break off. It wasn't like in a hole in the tree. The hole was like in a little branch that had been broken off that was kind of coming out by like three or four inches and it was hiding within that. So I was like, okay, let me just break off this little branch into my little jar and I'll have the cricket and I didn't have to do anything crazy. So as I, the second basically that I start applying pressure to try and snap that little twig branch thing, I end up snapping one of the roots that was underneath me and falling almost to my doom. Luckily, I was able to catch myself by hugging the tree and very luckily indeed, because when I looked down, all I saw attached to the roots that my leg would have fallen in um, in with the roots um, were all the clams and all that stuff. So my leg, uh, thankfully, did not get super cut up, but um, there was a, another little twig projection out of the tree, however, that scratched me from like my hip all the way up to like my sternum. And it was just this giant scratch down my belly. And I didn't want to tell my professor because I didn't want her to freak out because she was concerned that I was hurt. And I'm, I'm a, an athlete and I like to push through and I just didn't want her to know. So um, she did find out later and everything was okay. Um, I did not get any infections or anything like that. Um, actually, well, that was understandably now looking back on it, that was probably why um, she was so upset about it was because she was out with an infection uh, right in the beginning of our semester. Um, healthcare, not the best in our little Bocas del Toro. Um, but so overall, uh, well, I found nothing. I did find um, a significance. We, when we were doing the research, we basically all everybody in my group kind of broke things down into, okay, when we were talking about which sites we were going to visit, we visited sites that had um, seemed to have, they were within the actual MPA and there were no real, didn't seem to be any human disturbance around them. We would go to those. And then we had, um, we looked at mangroves that were, had high disturbance or right next to either, um, town, right next to like different communities. Um, and then we looked at low impact ones with the idea being that again, there weren't really humans around them. There weren't, there wasn't too many, like too much community um, but they were not within the border of the marine protected area. So that's where the different things I was talking about earlier. Um, so I, I found, and most of the people found, um, it was, of course, because we weren't doing like the most scientific thing and because science isn't perfect, there was nothing that was anything that was super, super significant, but it was pretty clear that, um, even with the, the only two only two weeks of research that we were able to get uh, to get um, that the uh, sites that were within the marine protected area were indeed um, better off than those that were in the high impact and the low impact. Um, oh, I was talking about the trash earlier. Yeah. So even though we were within the MPA, um, we found, like I said, trash at every single site. Uh, varying different levels, whether it was fishnets, um, plastic bags, plastic bottles, a lot, a lot of plastic. Um, there was some styrofoam. There was like a whole entire styrofoam cooler that I saw hanging out in the mangroves. We tried to like collect as much of it as we could when we would be there. 
um, our professor since she was either trying to help us out with what we were doing or she didn't have research really to do herself so she would kind of go around um, and help trying to try and make sure everything was okay um but yeah so that's uh, kind of all I have for you on uh, my mangrove situation but I would really recommend if you want to learn more about mangroves um, I can either talk about them more in another episode or um, you can just look them up uh, on your own so yeah I guess that's kind of it for my first episode here I will probably be back in about a week with a new episode for you. I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about yet. It's definitely going to be something nature-y. Um, I'm probably going to start talking about some of the books that I have read recently. Or maybe not recently. Maybe I'll go into some of the books that I was into in college. I'm not sure. We'll see when we get there. But um, if you were here and you actually listened to this entire episode, thank you. I greatly appreciate it. And I hope to see you again sometime soon. All right. Have a great weekend. Bye. Oh, no. What did I do? Okay, now I see.